Thank you for downloading this episode of our podcast. Hi, and welcome to the podcast for Solomon Staircase Masonic Lodge number 357, where we talk about all things related with Freemasonry, including Hermetic teachings, philosophy, reason, spirituality, and much more. We're located in Buena Park, Southern California. Tune in as we continue to update our podcast with informative talks and articles for Masons worldwide and those who would like to inquire within. The following article is from the November-December 2017 California Freemason Magazine, written by Laura Bennis, and the title of the article is The Men Who Might Be Masons. Someday soon, Ricardo Torres Jr. intends to bring his 92-mile-per-hour fastball to the major leagues. With it, he hopes to add his name to the long list of public figures who are California Freemasons, including John Steinbeck, his hometown's most famous native son. When some fan asks him about his first brushes with masonry, he may tell the story of standing in an Oakland, California parking lot one June night after an A's-Yankees game. Eighteen years old, stranded. His car had been stolen. He pulled out his phone and checked the time, 11 p.m. It would take more than three hours for someone to come get him and drive back to Salinas. His dad's work shift began at 4 a.m. He called his lodge brother and asked for a lift. It had been two weeks since his entered apprentice degree. When the circumstances are right, a sort of alchemy occurs between a man and the fraternity. The man's character, the lodge's efforts, and the experience of the ritual come together for a transformation. The man becomes a mason. He sees himself a little differently. He approaches the world a bit more thoughtfully. All this begins with his arrival on the lodge's doorstep as a so-called prospect and the process of determining whether he will pursue an application for membership. As masonry is intended to be a lifelong commitment, this is no small thing to sort out. It's what his time as a prospect is for. The lodge's job is to put him at ease and make him feel valued rather than scrutinized. Leaders must ensure that both sides ask the right questions and that they have created an environment that facilitates sincere answers. Most of us are not at our best in unfamiliar situations. The Lodge must find a way to coax a prospect's heart out of his chest and onto his sleeve. The prospect's job is to be open and honest. Alexis Belogi remembers entering Washington Lodge No. 20 for a stated meeting dinner last June. It was a Thursday, and he had walked the half mile from his home in Sacramento. He was looking for a community of upstanding people. He was eager to discuss the laws of the universe. Belogi's English is heavily accented in French. He was born in the Democratic Republic of the Congo and grew up in Brussels. I was a little bit nervous because I did not know what to expect, he admits. But as it turned out, what he remembers most about the first dinner is the feeling of peace and joy in his heart. He remembers good conversation and the respect his brothers showed him. A group of young men from Demolay, a Masonic youth organization, were present, and he was impressed with how they carried themselves. The brothers I met during these dinners were friendly and open, he says. I felt that I had known them for many years. Because the way Washington Lodge welcomed him, Belogi's interest blossomed. He returned to two more dinners, and his feelings were reinforced. By the time he submitted his application, he had made certain promises to himself. He was ready to give his free time to the Lodge. 
He was ready to follow the fraternity's teachings and devote himself to its principles. He hoped, more than anything, to shine as a good example of honesty and integrity. The quality of a member is not a matter of background, social standing, or any superficial factor. It is a question of his innermost character and motivation, and how they interact with masonry. Is he willing to put in the effort that the craft requires? Will he have the patience for its lessons? Does he understand the commitment he's making? In other words, is his heart in it? Lodges must ask themselves a version of this question every time they consider a prospect. For some, this question signals a parting of ways. For others, like Bologi, it's a precursor to understanding where the basis of masonry resides within each man. There was a time, not long ago, when United States lodges concerned themselves less with the measurement of individual quality and more with the counting of heads. They handed out applications after cursory introductions with virtually no knowledge of the candidate's intentions. Lately, membership development has taken a different view. Freemasonry in Europe, with its average lodge size of 34 brothers, has long shown that the membership total isn't what matters. Smaller lodges in California are now proving it too. The quality of brothers, not quantity, is what determines a lodge's health. This means each and every prospect has the potential to shape his lodge, but even the finest among them needs encouragement. Santa Monica Palisades Lodge number 307 is led this year by Master Scott Gilbert. We've made a conscious decision. We want prospects to understand what the commitment is, Gilbert says. We want them to feel important and for them to understand that they're joining a community. They may come in looking for one thing, but they will discover many more layers within the fraternity. Eight years ago, Gilbert showed up at Santa Monica Palisades Lodge, new to masonry. He and his wife had just had their first child, and he was searching for a way to get involved in community service. He liked the brothers immediately and was intrigued by what he gleaned of masonry. But he also remembers feeling a bit at sea after he submitted his application, unsure how he fit in or what was expected of him. It wasn't until he inserted himself more fully into lodge activities that he started to consider himself part of the brotherhood. Eventually, he realized that he had found more than a vehicle for community service. He and his family had gained a new community altogether. Gilbert started to map out his role in it. Perhaps he saw something of himself in Matthew Gibberese, another young father who found the lodge a few years later. Gibberese came to Santa Monica Palisades Lodge to sort fact from fiction. He'd heard pop culture conspiracy theories, but was struck by the U.S. early presidents and founding fathers who were Masons. He was drawn to the promise of making good men better. I wanted to be like the men that I look up to, Gibberese said. Freemasonry seemed to provide a path to help me emulate my heroes. Gilbert and other lodge leaders kept in touch with Gibberese, encouraging him to attend events, to volunteer alongside the lodge at its annual book fair and at the Midnight Mission Charitable Organization, and eventually after he had become a mason, to chair the cooking committee with other new members. Without this kind of early involvement and follow-through, prospects and new masons are always on the verge of drifting away. By contrast, in the two years since Gibbery's introduction to the fraternity, he's embraced his responsibility and his future. He wants to carry masonry forward so that his two boys, Eli, age three, and Dominic, nine months, might someday share his experience. I hope to help the fraternity preserve its traditional and classic feel, Gibberese says. That's the thing I love most about it. It's the one place you can go that hasn't changed. 
The world is in a state of disconnect. We've lost our relationships and don't even realize it, he adds. It's easy to be egocentric and ignore the world around you. Freemasonry has taught me that life and everyone in it are connected. When Torres, the teenage baseball player from Salinas, stepped into his first lodge, I didn't know what I was going to find, he says. I was curious about the Masonic symbols he'd noticed on license plates and a cornerstone on his college campus. These chance encounters had led him to do an online search that ended here, a stated meeting dinner at Salinas Lodge No. 204. James Riley rose to greet him. Riley punctuates text messages almost exclusively with exclamation points and describes people as the fuel that keeps me going. Many Masons talk about the lifelong friendships they develop in the fraternity. Riley makes it his business to start them. He keeps an eye out for the men who wander into lodge dinners looking not quite sure what to expect. He is often the first to walk up and offer his hand. I get them talking about their hobbies and they light up, he says. Then I find somebody else with a similar hobby and introduce them. Now they have a connection, and that could be a lifelong friendship. More than five decades separate him and Torres, Riley is 73, but nevertheless, when Riley welcomed the young man to Salinas Lodge that night, they hit it off. Riley remembers thinking, I like that kid, he's got some pluck. I just clicked with him, says Torres. We sat and talked, and we had things in common. Torres was energized immediately by the principles and structure of masonry, and regards its legacy with awe. I'm learning the same things that George Washington learned, he says. Despite a rigorous baseball and class schedule, he threw himself into the work. His degree coaches met with him almost daily for his first and second degrees. With their support, he moved through all three degrees in three months so he could become a Master Mason at age 18. The ceremony was held the day before his 19th birthday. His friendship with Riley developed at a similar pace. By the time he'd submitted his application to the lodge, he was accompanying Riley to car clubs and learning to change the oil on vintage cars. As he progressed through the degrees, he got in the habit of joining Riley and other Salinas brothers when they attended events at neighboring lodges. They planned a day trip down to San Luis Obispo to tour the historic building of King David's Lodge No. 209. Riley was the brother who Torres called when he found himself stranded. I have childhood friends that I would say are my brothers, but I don't think they would be willing to drive a hundred miles to pick me up in Oakland at 11 o'clock at night, Torres says. My Masonic brother was, and I would do the same. Today, if he has a long drive ahead of him, such as a trip to Los Angeles to visit friends, Jim is just one of those people, besides my parents and my sisters, that I call the Sam okay, he says. Riley does the same for Torres when he's on the road all day for work. One day this summer, Riley stopped by Torres' college baseball game to watch him pitch, and a woman introduced herself as Torres' mother. She thanked him for looking out for her son. She asked if she could give him a hug. I have no children, I'm an only child, so I don't have nieces or nephews. I really think of him as kind of a surrogate nephew now, Riley says. After Torres submitted his application for degrees, Riley asked if he'd like him to be his mentor. You already are, Torres replied. In the handful of months since Torres first walked into Salinas Lodge, his mother has told him repeatedly that she sees him becoming a better man. He feels his relationship with his parents and sisters deepening. He brought his father to his first dated meeting dinner over the summer, and his brother-in-law recently asked how he might become a Mason too. As the youngest member of the lodge, Torres does not feel out of place. He feels lucky. He was going through his degrees when his grandmother passed away and found himself looking forward to coaching sessions as much for the moral support as for the instruction.
The knowledge of an older person is so valuable nowadays, he says. These brothers aren't here because they want something out of me. They say, I'm going to help you, and it's genuine. They want me to be safe. In today's world, you don't find much of that, and I would do anything for a brother. If anybody needs anything from me, I'm here. Every lodge has their Rick Torres, their Alex Bologi, their Matt Gibberies, prospects who seem to light up around Freemasonry, as if recognizing an old friend. Under the right circumstances, they might become Masons. It's up to the lodges to encourage them. This often begins quietly by treating them as lifelong friends they could become and helping them recognize the Masonic qualities already within them. As Torres describes it, it's a matter of the heart. You know you're a real Mason because there's a certain feeling you get when you do something good, he says. What follows is the future of Freemasonry. These days, Torres sees endless possibilities for good. He also notices Masonic symbols everywhere he turns. It gets him thinking about what lies ahead. Some of the streets in my town are named after Masons. These men reflected great honor on my city, he says. I'd love to reflect honor on our fraternity, too. We need to keep this secret alive. I would love to keep our lodge active throughout the years so that Masonry is still around in Salinas when my children grow up. It's up to us to carry ourselves accordingly, he says, to do good things, contribute well to society, clean up the community. Then, generations to come are going to like what they see, and they're going to remember that Masons made this. So before I read this next article, I'm going to actually give a little disclaimer. I don't normally read the articles that are specific to a lodge uh, because I'm looking for things that are much more universal. But in this particular issue of the California Freemason magazine, there is an article about a lodge and how they bring in the prospects um, by how they treat each other and how things are. And then I want to share a little information about our lodge. So this article is also from the November-December 2017 California Freemason magazine and is called It Feels Like Home by Michelle Simone. And the subtitle is One Lodge Proves That Regardless of Size, Intimacy, and Brotherhood Are Essential Components of a Vibrant Member Experience. Perusing the member roster of Home Lodge number 721 doesn't exactly convey a sense of intimacy. Located in the bustling Los Angeles suburb of Van Nuys, California, the Lodge counts among its members 369 Master Masons, not to mention another 40-plus entered apprentices and fellow crafts. But speaking to members there reveals that numbers can be deceiving. Regardless of roster size, Home Lodge is a close-knit brotherhood, a refuge, and yes, a home. This is a culture the Lodge has worked hard to maintain, and it is one that prospective members are welcomed into from the beginning. Contagious Enthusiasm Many men first encounter Home Lodge through past master Michael David, who fields website inquiries. David makes time to meet with each man to get the scoop about what he's seeking from masonry, ensuring he is hoping to develop genuine friendships, a deeper purpose, and self-improvement, rather than simply networking opportunities. When David is certain that a man is a good fit, he explains the lodge expectations and application process. Some guys think they'll come in one night, get initiated, and that's that, he says. If they don't understand what they're signing up for, they'll get frustrated and their coaches feel rushed too. I not only explain the commitment, but also help them to understand that the time they put in before coming members is valuable, both to them and the rest of the lodge. 
Home Lodge makes an effort for new men to feel immediately welcomed and valued. Prospective members are invited to a stated meeting dinner or other event where they are introduced to Leland Celestra, the current master. They're often seated at Celestra's table or placed beside David or Stephen Eberhardt, a past master who served as lodge secretary for a number of years. The goal is to get to know them better and facilitate conversations. Stated meeting dinners are bustling, fun-filled affairs, attended by more than 100 brothers each month, along with their partners and children. Masonic Youth Order members and members of adult Masonic organizations from Easter Star to the York Rite. For Celestra, monthly dinners are one of the Lodge's best opportunities to welcome new men into the fold. Guys come in not really knowing what to expect. When they arrive, they find out that not only will they get to know other brothers in our Lodge, but that we are part of a great Masonic community and we have a lot going on. The energy is contagious and applicants tend to want to be part of it, says David. It's all positive. When our guys see each other, we don't shake hands, we hug. Come every Wednesday. It's not only monthly meetings that brings brothers together. As junior steward Peter Vogelsang explains, Wednesday nights are lodge nights. It's a slogan Eberhardt coined some years ago, encouraging brothers to set aside each Wednesday evening for masonry. For officers, this often means coming together to rehearse the ritual. Performing top-notch, meaningful rituals is one of the Lodge's highest priorities. But, for newer brothers, it's also an opportunity to put masonry on their schedules, to know they will be welcomed with open arms each week. From the beginning, brothers encouraged me to be there, recalls Vogel saying. Even if there was a meeting or the officers were busy rehearsing, they made time to talk to me, to give me things to read, to answer my questions. I felt like I was wanted there, that I belonged. At 23, Vogelsang is one of Home Lodge's younger members. Ambitious by nature, he is balancing full-time work at an alcohol and drug abuse treatment center with pursuing his bachelor's degree in business administration. I see the Lodge as my place of refuge. When I'm stressed out at work, with school, or at home, he says, Vogelsang was raised a master mason in June 2016. Six months later, he joined the officer line. The role has been an easy fit. I was at Lodge every Wednesday already, he says. I wanted to give back. This kind of enthusiasm is what Home Lodge leadership looks for and helps to facilitate. David passes out business cards that prospective members can text or call for information about stated meetings. He usually swaps phone numbers with them too, letting them know that they can call and text him anytime with questions about the fraternity. He tallies their messages and attendance at events to get a sense for how engaged they are. We don't want to chase after people, he says. We want them to know that they can come to us and that we want them here, but it's up to them to make masonry a priority. A feeling of belonging. Diversity is another strength and point of pride for Home Lodge. We have guys born in the United States, Lebanon, and Israel. We have artists, bankers, real estate agents, and construction workers. When I say our lodge is diverse, it really is exactly that, says Vogel saying. A poignant moment when he was an entered apprentice was when the Lodge took a moment at a stated meeting to acknowledge a brother who had been liberated from a Nazi concentration camp in Poland 70 years before. This anniversary was a huge moment for our Lodge, he recalls. It's not an experience any of us could share, but it is one that we all felt acutely grateful to be sharing beside him. That's what we do as brothers. We recognize and appreciate the uniqueness of each other's lives. When our lodge was chartered in the 1950s, the first members wanted it to have a home feeling. We still try to create that sense of true brotherhood today, says David. On Vogelsang's first visit to the lodge, Eberhardt pointed to a sign hanging inside the lodge with the words, Brother, if you come from any other lodge in the world, this is your home. 
Following his initiation, Eberhardt walked up to Vogelsang and said, Welcome home. It was an emotional moment for Vogelsang. The words rang true. He was home. He could feel it. So I'm going to close out this episode by talking a little bit about what we do at Solomon's Staircase. Not saying it's the right thing, not saying it's the best thing, but it's what we do. And one of the things that we typically do when somebody comes around and is seeking interest in masonry or has an interest in masonry is we we tell them to come around and, of course, start hanging out. And we're very open about explaining to them that we want them to feel comfortable and feel that this is the right place for them. We explain how different lodges have different cultures. In the article that we just read about uh, Home Lodge, where they said they have upwards of 100 people at a stated meeting, and they have families, and they have kids. Our particular lodge, we may have 15, 20 people at a stated meeting dinner. It's only the guys. More often than not, if any of the women do come, girlfriends, wives, uh, they come just to drop the guy off and hang out for a few minutes, and then they take off and say, I'll see you later. And it's not that there's anything wrong with that. That's just how our lodge has migrated over the years. I have pictures on my desk from 50 years ago where there's 200 or 300 people at the lodge for an event. Um, But our lodge has kind of migrated to become sort of a guys club. So we explain that to anybody that's coming looking for membership, and we want them to know that, hey, if you're looking for a family-oriented thing, most of us know each other's wives or girlfriends, and we've done stuff together, but Thursday nights, which is our night we meet, tends to be guys' night. And the interesting thing about that is a lot of the guys have said that that's what they appreciate the most is it's the one night a week that they actually get out and just be a guy. They get out and just hang out with the guys. At our lodge, we are known uh, in the district that we may not do it before, but we definitely do it afterwards. We're going to be lighting up cigars. We're going to be hanging out. We're going to be telling stories, and we're going to be sharing what's going on or what's happened in the last week with the, uh, the brethren. And as in this article, you know, of course, prior to COVID, everybody's hugging each other, slapping each other on the back, and a lot of kidding and joking going on. But as they say about men, men will talk crap to each other to their face, but say only the nicest thing about each other behind their back. So we have a lot of guys that say a lot of crap to each other, and tonight's Zoom meeting was just a perfect example. There was some ribbing going on that was top class, but in the end, it was all in good fun, and we all laughed and had a good time with it. So for the prospects, getting back to that, we tell them, come around. We we won't even hand a prospect an application until they've been coming around for minimum of three months, sometimes six months. And the reasoning we do that is we want it to be that when it comes time to actually vote for that person, and we're going to ballot on that person in the lodge, everybody knows who that person is. We're not balloting on somebody where half the people in the lodge are going, and they're going to vote even though they've never met the person. We want it to be that everybody says, oh yeah, that's so-and-so, that's Fabian or Marshawn or Siobhan. That's, that's, yeah, he's been coming around for a while. So we also find that that really starts to build up that friendship ahead of time. 
So we have them come to stated meetings. We have them join events. We've done bowling nights they've joined us at. They meet us at the park on a weekend. Whatever it is we're doing, we invite them along. Anything that's not a tiled meeting, we have them join us in. And, you know, bring the family if they can. So anyways, that's kind of what we do. Uh, we have an extremely tight-knit group. And I believe that our prospects see that among us. And that's something that they decide that they want to be part of. Since I've been around, there's been very few men that have come around looking for masonry that didn't end up sticking around at our lodge. Pretty much when they get around and they start to hang out and they meet everybody, they realize this is the place they want to be. So with that, I'm going to close out the episode. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you have any comments, please feel free to leave them. Uh, Reach out to us via our email, our Twitter, our Instagram, our Facebook, our Pinterest, any way, shape, or form, we're out there. Thank you much. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a comment. We enjoy hearing from our listeners. If you really like what you heard, share this podcast with your friends and lodge members. Visit us online at solomonstaircase.org.